MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Big program on a Thursday here. The big nasty Josh Towers will join us in studio in about 45 minutes. Amal and I have some pressing questions about Major League Baseball, including teams' inability to hit and inability to run the bases, as well as as a look at today's card and see if there's anything Josh likes from a betting perspective. Amal, I want to start in Phoenix last night where I did everything I could but beg you to take the Suns minus three in the first half. You said... They had the defensive effort in the second half in game one. They had done it in the first half against the Lakers in games five and six, and you thought they'd come out with a great defensive effort in the first half last night. I said, then why not minus three in the first half instead of five? Said, nah, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. Easy 10-point winner first half. Yeah, it really is. Not generally my style to make first-half plays, but this one I wish I had. Uh, you mentioned that Phoenix's roles in this game. Once again, this team, Mike, over the last four games has been so dominant. They've got now, they've won their last four games by 85 combined points. This one by 25 points. It's just unbelievable what they've been able to do of late. Uh, I'm not sure if Denver can get off the mat. Now you have a concern with Porter's back. How uh, impactful can he be? This thing could be over uh, fairly quickly. I missed the betting opportunity in this game. I stared at the number at halftime, minus $6 in game on Phoenix. I didn't take it. Two minutes into the second half, they were minus 2,500. They went on the run. They went up. They went up by 20, and it was over. Yeah, this is a, just a dominating performance, and it looks like a complete mismatch. Look, I'm not going to sit there and say Jamal Murray is going to make up for 25 points, but the fact that they got through Portland without Murray was impressive. I just don't think this team is now capable in a situation with Porter potentially having a back uh, uncertainty or question mark. This team is in real trouble as they go forward. Where we currently sit, with Utah up one nothing on the Clippers after the comeback victory in game number one, and the Suns up 2 nothing on the Nuggets after holding serve in Phoenix. Do you think the Suns should be favored to win the West at this point, or should Utah still be the favorite? Uh, you have to look at the fact that Utah is going to have home court advantage. That, that's a huge edge. The other thing is, though, where I think Phoenix has a massive advantage is, how long does this Jazz series go? I, I think, realistically, you're looking at six, potentially seven games. And so if you're Utah and you get out in front, and even, forget that, let's say Utah sweeps the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And just like the Suns sweeps, but you still have a little bit more rest. Uh, you always want to be rested. I understand people say rest versus rust and all that, and I've made that argument before as well. But to me, when you're going to be going into a long, arduous series, you'd rather be in a situation where you're a little bit more rested, having, having n- not had to play as many games. Amal, we talked about 
when when AD got hurt and that series was tied 2-2 with the Lakers in round one for the Suns, you could still get them at plus $7 to win the West. Neither of us took the bet. I think there's still value at plus $2 right now uh, to come out of the West because I think they're going to beat Denver. Worst case scenario, what are what are the if the Jazz went in in that in that scenario they sweep? What's what are the Jazz? A dollar forty, a dollar fifty over the Suns? Yeah, I think so. I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think the plus price at right mm-hmm. now to win the series or the West at two dollars is a good play. And you know, still that seven to one you and I talked about uh, when they were taking on the Lakers. If they now, if the Clippers should beat the Jazz and Phoenix would have home court in the Western Conference Finals, then I think that series is close to a pick, maybe Phoenix a small favorite. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the Suns team, I mean, the way they're playing right now, you could make the argument they're playing as well as any team in the association. Now I understand it's a little bit easier facing Denver than it is, say, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Brooklyn Nets or Utah or the Clippers, but you have to give them credit for what they've been able to do thus far. I mean, the last four games just dominating. Average margin of victory, two, uh, 21 points. New York Islanders, Barry Trotz's team. Yeah. On the island, they close out Boston last night 6-2. You didn't have it in the playbook going in. You saw that price plus 120. You added it to the playbook. They never trailed in the game. The over also came in easily. It was a flat five. I bet it over four and a half, over five and a half, and over six and a half in game. You knew you were going to get to an empty net situation. They did put two in on the empty net in the third period. Yeah, two within 12 seconds. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of a sweat late in terms on of the empty net. six and a half, yes, yeah. it was for me. It, it, uh, but you know what's interesting is they scored the goal, I think, in 1901, and then they scored a goal in 1912 or 1913. Mm-hmm. So quick uh, two goals there by the Islanders. But this was a comfortable win. It was 3-1, then 4-1, and this thing was done, and it was over. I don't think the fact that Tuka Rask had been pulled in Game 5 and had some health issues mm-hmm. and questions was baked into that number to still see Boston as a forty favorite last night. Yeah, I think the Bruins are favored over whoever they're playing next. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a joke. They didn't give the Islanders any credit, any respect. This team has been terrific defensively all year long. You know, I tell you, Mike, that's the one area, you and I talk about this off-air quite a bit, where you can take advantage of bookmakers. I see it in tennis all the time. They have these lines on players. I saw it today, Donna Vekic minus 350 in tennis. She hasn't play, she's played three matches in three months. She got absolutely blitzed by a, a, just an unranked opponent. And to me, that's the same thing in hockey. This is the nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. The word you use is stubborn, Amal, when talking about the bookmakers with their pre-flop number and then how they adjust it during the course of a series uh, when we're in a playoff situation. So now the... One half of the bracket is set. We're going to see a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from last year um, where Tampa Bay took on the Islanders and dispatched of them in six games. In the West, we're still waiting for VGK or Colorado. That game will be played game six tonight here in Las Vegas. The winner will host Montreal on the other side of the bracket. Any thoughts on the early number on the Lightning Series price? About a 250 favorite. Uh, over the Islanders in this series. It's a high price, but the way Vasilevsky's playing right now, it's going to be a challenge for the New York Islanders. But here's the thing. When you defend, it's kind of like this in soccer, right? When we see teams who play a certain style where they're just going to defend the hell out of you, it becomes very difficult to beat them. And the Islanders, I think, are disciplined enough where they're not going to take as many dumb penalties as we saw out of the Bruins. And if you look at the series against Carolina, there were some penalties they took that allowed, particularly the Florida series against Tampa, they allowed the Lightning to get on the power play, got Nikita Kucherov going, Stamkos got going in game number four. If you can avoid those types of pitfalls, I think this team has a much better chance that people are giving them credit for. However, with all that being said, I think Tampa is reaching cruising, cruising altitude at the right time. I think the big difference here between the Lightning and the Bruins is that the Lightning aren't confused on their penalty kill. The yeah. Bruins have no clue what they're doing out there in the pen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're charging at the guy. They're, they're just standing. They're, each time they attack it differently, and the Islanders kept passing the puck to the right side and then attacking, and the Bruins didn't know how to defend it. I mean, Bruce Cassidy would yell at them every time they gave up a power play goal, but no adjustments were being made. Montampa's not going to go into the penalty box, especially not with the stupid penalties as much as Boston is going to yeah. do. And number two, when they are on the P- PK, they're much more effective than the Bruins. I think the price is a little bit high, but I can't take the Islanders in this spot because Tampa's playing so well, and the addition of Kucherov has made all the difference for them. All right, let's flip back to the NBA hardwood. We get two games tonight instead of one. And let's start in the East, where the Nets comfortably won both games at home in Brooklyn, even despite the fact that without James Harden, they were the underdog to the Bucs, as we saw all the steam in Game 2. Harden out again tonight. Amal, are you surprised that the Bucs here are a four-point favorite against the Nets tonight in Milwaukee? You know, I, I am a little bit, I thought this number would be a little bit closer to two. Uh, I don't see the justification of Milwaukee being this high of a favorite based on the way they played. But remember, this is basically the all-in game for Milwaukee. You go down 3-0, this thing is over. Uh, I think if you're going to take the Bucks, this is the game to do it in. I had a friend who said, I think you have to blindly bet the, the Bucks and close your eyes and hold your nose tonight. 
I said, I'll take a pass on it. I yeah, just, exactly, I just, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I, honestly, I don't like a lot on the card anywhere tonight, but this is just not a game I can find myself getting involved in. I guess if the Nets can get out to a lead here in this game, I would take a look at, at betting the Nets at a small money line price if they continue to play the way they've been playing and really dominating the Bucks. Yeah, they really have, and I just don't see an opening for Milwaukee in this one. How do they get back? And even if they win this game, Mike, I think you'd see a huge opportunity on Brooklyn in game number four. This is the game where you tend to see teams going back home play particularly well, but I'm not a believer in this Milwaukee team. They haven't shown enough for me to be able to start taking a look at them at this point. We play that segment uh, that's really become America's pastime. I'm all guesses, right? Where yeah. we're in, in Gil's world guessing lines. And we did this with the NFL opening numbers, and we've been doing it with the props in these NBA playoff games. So I want to do it first for tonight's game with the Bucks versus the Nets. Total points, rebounds, and assists. The Greek freak. Uh, boy, I got to say probably about uh, 43, 44. 51 and a half. Well, I guess 27 points, 10 and. Boy, that's a big number. You have to go under there. Yeah. I mean, he's got to get. You got to lay the 125 to the under. Here, the juice is now uh, revealed here on some of these prices. But well, well, I mean, what are you? When are you going to have a triple double? He's going to get 30 points and still have a my, triple double. Yeah, I think he. You think they're looking at 35 here? You got to get well, to 35. 35, and then you still have to have a, a high yeah. number of assists as well, unless you think he's going to get about 14 rebounds. So this is the play for you. Under. Yeah, I would go under. Yes. Mall's going under. All right, uh, double double for the Greek freak. Yes. How much are you willing to lay? Uh, up to two dollars, not seven fifteen. Is that what the number is? That's what the number is. Amal. Who are these imbeciles who make these lines? What? 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 what, what do they just steal well, money no, from people? It says Listen, it on the bottom of the screen. By the way, who makes these lines? The IRS? <laughs> I mean, come on, give me oh, a this break. Is a, this is a good seven fifteen. If, if you think something could happen here, you get four fifty back on the no. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, you know, any you know, sort of an injury. He gets pulled in a blowout. Uh, do they do like the correlated where you can only bet the no on this? Okay, let's move on to the rounder, the flat earther. Uh, Kyrie <laughs> Irving. This is an interesting number. I, I was surprised by this. Kyrie Irving, total points, rebounds, and assists. Uh, 37. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you, Jake. Just points. Just points here on this one. 23 and a half. 28 and a half. Okay. That's, a little bit of a high road cover. number, I thought. Yeah, I thought so, too. I leaned towards the under there. But, again, he's going to be carrying the mail along with Durant. And Durant. 31 and a half. 32 and a half. So that's no play for you there. Yeah. All right, let's take a look at then the game in the West Game 2 in Salt Lake City tonight between the Clippers uh, and the Jazz. We saw the Clippers with a 13-point halftime lead in Game 1. They weren't able to really cool down Donovan Mitchell at all. Jazz came back, took the lead, and then uh, won the game in the fourth quarter but weren't able to cover the number. We see it come back in Game number 2, a little bit shorter than it was in Game number 1. Total of 3.5, the total in the last game also Went under by just a half a point. We see 225 and a half here tonight. Are you looking at the Clippers in this spot, Amal? Uh, you know, I am not. I'm mm-hmm. going to stay away from this game. I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I think this is a tough series, tough matchup. I, I don't, you know, the problem with the Clippers is Kawhi Leonard is, he, this guy's so mercurial. You don't know which day he's going to play, which day he's going to show up. Are you sure he's not playing due to rest? No, he'll be playing. It's the playoffs. Oh, oh okay. I wasn't it's, sure. It's the Paul, I, I, Paul George, I'm not sure. Well, according to uh, Silver, the regular season matters, but it doesn't to the players. I don't understand why Paul George isn't defending Mitchell. Or, I mean, isn't isn't that where you start with the Utah offense? You I got to slow you, down you, Donovan Mitchell? You'd have to ask the Bill Belichick of the NBA, Tyron Lue. Yeah, Tyron Lue. Known for his uh, half-court defenses. A pass here for me, uh, it's a pass as well. And, and the reason why it's a pass is because I have that Clippers ticket, right? So yeah. I need Sixers, Clippers... I'm sort of sort of behind the eight ball a little bit here uh, in the fact that, uh, you know, the Nets seem so dominant in the East and then the Clippers in a little bit of trouble here. Hopefully they can split here. I don't think they're going to lose two games at Staples uh, like they did in last series where they couldn't uh, couldn't defend home court until uh, until game number seven. Let's look at the props now, Amal, for tonight's game in Salt Lake City. Total points, rebounds, and assists for the glove, Kawhi Leonard. The glove? <laughs> I think Gary Payton would have something to say about that. But anyway, I'll go with uh, 43 and a half. 40 and a half. Okay. 40 and a half. Juiced a little bit to the under. You can get only minus 106. A bargain at half the price here uh, on the I, over. I, I would go over here. I think yeah. Kawhi's going to have to have a big game if the Clippers are going to win this okay, game. He's got to so go over 30. Mark it down an overplay yeah, yeah, yeah. for Mr. Amal Shaw. Paul George, this is just total points now. Uh, 24 and a half, 25. Okay, 23 and a half is no play. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell, total points. Well, I tell you, this guy's a volume shooter. Uh, Twenty-eight and a half. Thirty and a half. I I don't I don't know if he goes back to back for uh, as big of a games as he did, but we'll see. Rudy Gobert double double. 
Yeah, how'd you know? Well, because I figure I, I saw. Know you a... didn't, I know you didn't open the rundown, so I mean. <laughs> You're following uh, the pattern. Yeah, I'm following a pattern here. Rudy Gobert, I'm going to say yes on the double-double. How much you want to lay? I think it's actually going to be an abs- more absurd number than Giannis. You think it's going to be no, higher than $7? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. About four fifty. Oh, so then you'll take it, minus 335. No. no. <laughs> because the problem is you got, you, you've got to be, if you miss it by one, you know, it's just these prices are too much on some of these. You know, to me, they should have over-under rebounds, 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, over-under blocks, three and a half. Uh, I want before we leave the NBA. We took a look at the odds to win the West earlier in terms of the Jazz and the Suns, where they're sitting right now. Let's take a look at the odds to win the East here. You think there's some value to the Brooklyn Nets just laying 250 right now? They're not that much bigger of a favorite than they were going into the series. Wait, that's the price right now? 250 to win the East. Oh, to win the East. Win I'm the sorry. East. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Um, I would. I would think so, because you do have some injury concerns still. With I know Embiid looked like he was back in game number two, but Ben Simmons, I'm a little bit concerned about his psyche. Not taking shots, he goes three for ten from the free throw line in game number one. Is he in a point? Is he at a point where mentally he's not going to be able to adjust and he disappears from this series? Because if he's not there, I don't think they're really going to have that much of a chance unless he really just locks somebody down defensively. I think when you look at 250, Mo, you have to think, what will the price be in the worst-case scenario where they will take on the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals? Are they going to be bigger than a 250 favorite? Because if they aren't, then it doesn't make sense to bet. No, I would think they are. Yeah. I think they're probably about minus $3. All right. So I mean, you're, the you're getting some value to bet them right now. Yeah, I think so. But you still have to win six games. You still have to or get through the, the series. Should yeah, then the you're Sixers. in great shape. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, bet. so that's actually, you know, part of that bet is that is maybe if Atlanta pulls the upset, you got a great chance here. Now the Hawks, remember after they won game one, they were 10 to 1 to win the East, and we talked about being some value there. Now you get a heck of a lot of value, 25 to 1 to win the East. I don't understand how after they won game one, what really thought you changed. I mean, we all figured Philadelphia is going to win game number two. And we're right where we expected to be after the Hawks won game one. Now they're 25 to one. All right, let's switch to the NHL playoff ice where the big game is tonight here in Las Vegas. Game six between the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. Both these teams really tied for the President's Cup with the number of points, highest point total during the regular season. Colorado won by virtue of most wins in regulation. That's why they have home ice in this series, although Vegas took it away with that stunning come-from-behind 3-2 victory in overtime on the Mark Stone breakaway in game number five. Amal, you called that the game of the century, the most important game played. Well, it's like college football. I wanted every other week to be the game of the century. Played in calendar year 2021. Is this game of the century, too? No, it's not, because that it was a different situation there. For Colorado, you thought they had a great chance to win and retain home ice advantage. If VGK won, you felt like the series might be over. I thought that was the game that was really going to hinge the series. I'm not going to bet the Knights tonight, but I think they win this game. I think it's going to be tough for Colorado. Mike, you and I talked about it yesterday. Colorado looked like they lost Game 7. I, I just don't know if they can get up mentally. Now, if they have a tremendous performance, it could catapult them into Game 7 if they can win this one. All right, let's take a look from a betting perspective. If you think Colorado is going to win tonight, now you could take them at plus... 115 plus 120 here at T-Mobile, or you could bet them to win the series at plus 245. What's the better play? Well, I'm just I'm looking at the odds real quick to mm-hmm. see if you're taking that one. You know, let's just say quickly you take this at 120. And I, I think yeah, what 135 the next game. You think it's going to come back 140 probably in game. What, I think. Oh, you're better off on the odds. Well, it depends on what the odds are. I put them in at 135. Okay, and what, so, what does that pay you? Uh, 282. So you're better off actually better playing off them individually. Game game. But wait a minute. Why are we surprised? I've actually done the math on a lot of these, and it's it's so rare that I find an error in favor of the better on this one. Mm-hmm. You're always better off doing individual games. Any thought on the total here tonight? I think this game, I think Colorado must come into this game and play. Not more cautiously, but they really need to work on their pass. I mean, what turned that game around was two turnovers that the Knights converted. Yep. The Knights were DOA. They yes, were getting totally yes. outplayed. Yeah. The turnover, the quick goal by Tuck. Then on a three-on-two one-way, a bad pass hits the back of a skate, and they go the other way with a four-on-two and put in a beautiful goal to tie it up. Colorado has to be more precise with their passing. We see the ice in Vegas seem slower than the ice in Colorado, right? The, the scoring hasn't been as high in Las Vegas as it has been in Colorado. I think this game leans under. When you get to the playbook, you'll see a prop bet that I took. But any thoughts on the five-and-a-half total here tonight? I would look towards the under. Uh, but again, if Colorado, as you alluded to last night with the Bruins, if they're in trouble, yeah. you know, they're down. Say, Elimination. Yeah, 3-1. <laughs> We're going to see everybody out there. Remember the Avalanche uh, potentially looking at being without their head coach tonight. <laughs> 
due to some COVID restrictions. I don't think that's going to matter. He's, last time I checked, he hasn't put any minutes on the ice so far this series. He currently is not at T-Mobile due to a complication with COVID test that was reported. Doesn't mean he won't be there tonight, but does it really make a difference? I mean, how much... You see in these special team situations in the NHL, the head coach is never drawing up a play. It's always There's the an assistant on a power play. There's an assistant assigned it for the penalty kill. There's an assistant for the five-on. There's an assistant for the last two minutes. There's an assistant for the... I'm not, I mean, the assistants are the ones talking to the well, team in the huddle. I'll tell you a quick story. I don't know if Jared Bednar is like a lot of guys I know in college basketball. There's a lot of head coaches in college basketball. They can't drop a play to save their life. That's no joke. These guys got there because maybe they had the ability to interview. They were in the right place at the right time, like a Steve Lavin. That's why he winds up as the head coach of UCLA. But to me, maybe Bednar's one of these guys. It doesn't make a difference. Last time I checked, it's going to come down to McKinnon. It's going to come down to Grubauer. Landis Cog and these guys have to play well. Yeah, this top line has to play better for Colorado. That, They've been that, MIA last three games. They really have. Let's take a look at some of the props on tonight's game, Amal, from the perspective uh, of, of VGK and Colorado. I'd like to take and see if you see if there's any value on a will this person score? Not first goal, not last goal, but will this person score tonight to score a goal? Uh, Max Pacioretty, plus 145. Jonathan Marchessault, plus 155. Nathan McKinnon, you can get plus 148 on Nathan McKinnon. Mark Stone's plus 180. Ranton for Colorado, plus 175. Saad, plus 195. Wild Bill Carlson, plus 255. Tuck's an interesting number at plus 240. He's been very good in this series. He can generate a shot on his own because of his speed yeah. and the length. Uh, Landeskog at plus 235, I think, is also an interesting price. And Riley Smith at plus 270. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to play any of these simply because just if you do the math on this, think about this. This, this is such a crapshoot in hockey, right? A guy takes a shot from the point. Somebody tips it in, you lose a potential. What would have been a goal? Somebody else tips. I mean, just well, too many variables. Look at the Marshall goal. I mean, Carlson made the unbelievable play but firing, getting, but he touched it, it on the it, way exactly. in. Exactly. Right? That's I what mean. I'm saying. So, you know, to me, these are not plays I want to take. Uh, I, I, the first goal, I have no interest in either. All right, I'm all before we close out the segment. I want to take a look at the current Stanley Cup odds now that we know three of the four teams that are going to be in the final four, and then waiting on really. What were the two favorites going in, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado, to determine the last spot? You talked about how well the Lightning are playing. They're back to being the favorite at this point at plus 175. Canadians, the surprise team, they're already in the Final Four. They haven't trailed in seven hours of game action. They're plus 850. Anything you like out of this board? I think the Canadians are a dangerous team. I, I think it, the, the NHL... This is not like college football where Alabama plays some team from Conference USA and they're going to beat them by a million. Carey Price is an elite-level goaltender based on the, so far what we've seen in this postseason. This team is a defensive uh, focus first. Uh, they've taken opportunities when they've had them. Weber's still a t- top-notch defender. He's great from the point in terms of some opportunities. Tyler Toffoli's been a great acquisition from the Kings. I think this team is dangerous, Mike, but with all that being said, John Cooper's team right now looks like they're going back-to-back. We heard our guest yesterday, E.J. Raddick, said he thinks it's Vegas and Tampa Bay in the final. I think that would be a terrific final that goes at least six games. I tend to agree with you there. It would be unbelievable, especially with the way Vasilevsky, Stamkos is starting to come around. Stamkos has been MIA. He's starting to play. When we come back, we're going to take a look at trio of games on tonight's Major League Baseball card, including a matchup in our nation's capital between the Italian Stallion, Anthony Desclafani, and Mad Max Scherzer. That's next on The Nuts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm, and he's Amal Shaw. Amal, a lot of day games on today's Major League Baseball card. A couple of pitching duels here early. Uh, In Philadelphia, Zach Wheeler involved in a duel 0-0 into the fifth inning. And in the Great American Small Park in Cincinnati, they're in a rain delay going into the fifth. That game also 1-1 between the Reds and the Brewers. That's the Braves taking on the Phillies. Uh, Who was pitching that one? Because I know you took the under first five there. In Philadelphia. Uh, Peralta and and Louis Castillo. Castillo. That's what I thought, yeah. Monty Burner Castillo. Although he got a win last time out. Um, I thought both of them. I bet it after the first inning. I bet under three and a half. Oh, you do? Okay. I I like to see the. I actually like to watch the first inning in a lot of these games and see what what kind of stuff and what kind of control these guys have. Let's start with uh, the Giants, who uh, blew a lead yesterday, surprisingly. They were up 2 nothing, 2 1 going to the ninth, end up losing in extra innings in Texas. Uh, They now travel. They continue their road trip to the nation's capital, to Washington, D.C., and lo and behold, they run into Max Scherzer in game one. They counter with their own right-hander, Anthony Desclafani, who I think has been one of the best postseason acquisitions, actually, right now, when you look at faces in new places. He's been very good for the Giants, 5-2, and 3-5-1 ERA, whip just over one, 58 strikeouts against 20 walks in 62 and two, 66 and two-thirds innings. Mad Max, off to that rough start, gave up a bunch of home runs in his first two starts. He's up to 5-4 and four now. The ERA, 2.22, the whip, 0.82. 104 strikeouts versus 15 walks, 11 home runs, but seven of them in his first two starts. He's been very good at all since those first two starts. You see Scherzer is a $1.75 favorite today. You can get back $1.60 on a team that's leading the Western Division by several games in the Giants. Yeah, but the problem is DeSclafani, you look at him, over his last uh, 13 and two-thirds innings, given up 14 earned runs. Now, he had that one big game where he gave up 14 runs. I still like Max in this one. He's been outstanding. You know, we talk about DeGrom and Darvish every time for the Cy Young. But to me, Max Scherzer is a guy nobody's talking about. Comes in with a .82 whip, and I think he's only given up 15 base on balls, 104 strikeouts. He's been dominant. So for me, 
Uh, I don't want to lay 177 because of the fact that this Washington offense is highly inconsistent, but I don't believe San Francisco is going to win this game. Our boy, you, you got outdueled by fake tough guy, Jake. Yeah, I know, I couldn't huh? believe it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> by the way, speaking of which, uh, for people that didn't see the Oakland game yesterday, did you happen to see the play with Kettle Marte on the catch? Yeah, incredible. I Caught thought the ball, a... took two steps, Oops. hit the wall, came off the wall, and dropped it. Yeah, and now it benefited us because they ended up scoring two runs. They get, a, they get exactly right. To me, A scored three runs in that bottom of the second inning. I thought it was completely a catch. I couldn't believe they ruled it a non-catch. This Arizona Diamondbacks team has not won a road game since April 26th. Um, this is a bad team. When are they making a managerial change? I don't know. But I would say when are the San Diego Padres making a managerial change? The only difference in those two teams is talent on one side and a big payroll. I tell you what, made well, that point this morning. Well, but I, I don't understand why you're not taking advantage of your prominence at Circa, the fact that you guys have a sponsorship deal with the San Diego Padres. Tell them, as long as you guys keep Jace Tingler around, we're going to have to pull our deal. I'm not sure we have that kind of leverage yet. Let's move <laughs> on to Boston, where the Astros are red hot, and they're taking on the Red Sox. You get Zach Rinke tonight, 6-2, and 3-3-8, 102-thirds innings. Uh, innings eater, uh, Granke's been 60 strikeouts against 16 walks. Rodriguez goes for the Sox. I'm surprised the Sox are favored. Rodriguez pitched May 31st in Houston against the Red Sox and gave up uh, gave up six earned runs and four and two-thirds. They knocked him around uh, against the Astros. I think Grinke would be the favorite tonight here. I really lean Grinke in this game. Houston's been red hot, and, and you've liked him in both games in this series. Yeah, and I think this is another one you come back again with the Astros. Yeah. I don't understand this. Rodriguez really struggled this year. Comes in with an ERA north of five. Just not done an effective job. More The bigger concern for me is the whip right now, Mike. one four one, And I think with the way Granke has pitched. And Granke has gone a little bit deeper into games. My problem with Granke had always been he's paid and performs like a number one for six innings. But he didn't have that ability along with the big guys, the Scherzers, the DeGroms, Verlanders, to get seven and eight innings. He's always been the one, except the year he was with Kershaw, and he yeah. was the two that year. Yeah, exactly. But he's always thrown out there as the ace. When we say chase or fade the ace. Another good pitching matchup tonight. What is it? All left-handers in this series? The Blue Jays are still... Ed Cellular, one to take on the White Sox on the south side of Chicago. My man, Hinjin Ryu, 5-3, and 3-2-3, three, 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 59 strikeouts against 11 walks. Taking on Dallas Keuchel, who's been effective. An ERA over four, but he's gotten the run support, and he's pitched well enough when he's had to. 4-1 and one on the year. Um, Keuchel, 33 strikeouts against 19 walks. Not a strikeout pitcher. He pitches to contact. Lost a lot of velocity off that fastball about three years ago, but has learned to become a crafty left-hander. We see Ryu. Favorite tonight against the first place White Sox at a dollar thirteen and a total of eight and a half. Why did you say it's like you're surprised? I think that the White Sox are a better team, and I'm not sure Ryu is significantly better, especially when he's pitching in parks he's not used to pitching in. Remember, it's only his second year in the American League. I think yeah. that makes a difference. I actually think it's an advantage. Teams haven't seen you as much. You don't have as much familiarity with the pitcher. But to me, I I, I would lean, lean, and I say that with the slightest amount of like conviction on it, Toronto here. I, I don't like uh, the Sox with Keuchel on the mound. But as you mentioned, overall, White Sox are a better baseball team. When we come, in, come back, we'll have an abbreviated Palm Reader playbook and a mall in, as well as taking a look at the French Open on the men's side. That's next on The Nuts. If you missed any part of our show, The Nuts, or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. My partner, Amal Shaw, is a big podcast guy. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and Lombardi Line with VSIN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander for all his French Open plays, or Market Insights with newly engaged Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers with Slim Down Jonathan Von Tobel. Long Shots with Partier Brady Cannon. Gone Racing and I'm all the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They are all free, F-R-E-E, and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get all your podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to listen to them. Do we have uh, some advice on the French Open on these? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Futures are all gone. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start out. I have one play today. I looked. I mean, I had some baseball plays early. No good for this show. 
Bill Eighty put out the uh, the the members only emails too early yeah, for. I feel like I every time well, you got to wear the jacket before you say members, members only. It's members only. Uh, best bets email. I couldn't get on there. I I didn't have the plays in time. I have a couple games going early now. But the only thing tonight, I think this will be a very tightly contested, low scoring game. I don't want to lay one twenty on under one and a half first period. Plus, I think if they score a goal in the first ten minutes, the first period's going over anyhow. Especially if the Knights score. I took no goal in the first 10, and I got plus 130 here at William Hill. Not a bad play. I just don't like it because one fluke bounce can beat you. I, I, that's the reason I, I don't generally like these plays, but the plus price is pretty good. That's why you don't bet yes or no run in the first inning. Yeah, and you know the, the reality of it is, mm-hmm. if you look at statistically, teams do score in the first inning, even You're on the great pitchers. You're supposed to. Your lineup is set up the best at yeah. one, two, three, and right? And the pitchers are not getting into yeah. a group. Josh mm-hmm. talks about yeah. this all the time. He's going to join us in about five minutes here, uh, but it's really critical in terms of that, I, I don't know in hockey if there's an advantage, though, like there is in um, baseball in terms of trying to score early. All right, let's keep it hot. We had a good day yesterday, 3-0 and uh, for you, 2-0 and for me. Where are you going? Back to Roland Garros? Well, I've got Rafa to win the uh, the tournament at minus 140. But remember, this is a guy taking on Novak Djokovic, who he beat last year in the finals. He only yielded seven games. Wins the first set 6-0, wins the second set 6-2. And then gave up uh, five games, winning the third set 7-5. I think he'll dominate again. I don't know if it'll be as easy as it was last year, but I still think on clay. Remember, Novak has beaten him before here in 2015, I think it was. Only one of two career losses. I think Rafa's just playing well enough to get past Novak. Novak is playing well, but he's still not the same player he was back in 2015. On a hard court. What about it? Is Novak more dominant over Rafa on a hard court? Yeah, But I'm saying, who, who is more dominant? Rafa on clay versus Novak or Novak on a hard court versus Rafa? Nobody in the history of time, unless their name is Edwin Moses in the 110 high hurdles, is as dominant as Rafael Nadal has been on clay in the French Open. You know, in Madrid, you're playing at altitude. The ball travels. It goes a little faster. When you get to the clay courts of Roland Garros in Paris, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, think about this. Robin Soderling beats him in, I think it was 2009 or 2010. And then Novak, the year he beat him, Novak was just having an unbelievable year. He was a six-star favorite against Stan Wawrinka, and he loses the final. You would have expected him to close it out. What Rafa is is tenacious, he's relentless, and then he's just uber-talented. And, and those combinations, and he's got, you know, we always talk about Jordan as the greatest competitor. I always say, to me, it's Russell Westbrook and, and Rafael Nadal. These guys play like they got organs on the line. Every play, Rafael Nadal doesn't give an inch on any play. I mean, it's unbelievable the competitive greatness that he has. Explain to me how he could drop a set to Diego Schwartzman. Well, first of all, don't be a hater on the Argentinian. Let me tell you something. I'm he, taller than him. Yeah, but he's faster than you by about a large mm, margin. 20 years ago, it would have been close. Not even close. Yeah, because he would have been like eight, and I had been tw- <laughs> in my 20s and still <laughs> That's in fair shape. Enough. All right. Schwartzman can run around. He's got tremendous mm. court coverage. And clay court, to me, is real tennis because it's the ability to make shots. You've got to really be able to maneuver. You know, on grass and clay, with the power, you can just get the ball past one of your opponents. Uh, Schwartzman's a very solid player. He just doesn't have the stature and the size of the other guys. But in terms of efficiency, in terms of hitting the ball with consistency, he is tremendous. And, you know, Rafa, as good as he is, he's still 34 years old. This is a sport that generally has been played by younger players in their 20s is where they're dominant. So, look, I'm going to give Rafa a break to drop a set. I mean, you're, you're acting like it's criminal that he lost one set. Well, let me ask you this. You're going to lay 270 with Rafa. Yeah. You could bet him to win in straight sets at plus 175 or in four sets at plus 275. You know, I, I would take, wait, repeat the numbers. Straight sets plus yeah. 175 to win in four sets plus 275. I actually like the four set one, and but I, I to me I don't want to give away a, a a win based on trying to figure out which set he's going to win. And it, you know, look, I said this for Novak. Um, to me, the second set is the most important set for Novak tomorrow. He can lose the first set. He's got to win the second set to create match pressure on Rafa and to put into a situation where okay, we're one set apiece going into the third set. Let's take a look at the other semifinal between Cici Pass and Zverev. I say the name Zverev. Zverev. Um, Cece Pass, 275 favorite, just a little less favorite than Nadal is over Djokovic. Um, you, you lean Cece Pass here. I lean Cece Pass, but I wouldn't take him at this price because Zverev is good enough, and this is a guy that's had success. Remember, he went to the U.S. Open final. This is Cece Pass's first opportunity to get to a Grand Slam final. Now, he's got a great chance here, but Zev is not a guy that's going to be intimidated. He's a big server, and get it gets negated on clay. But with that being said, I still think he's dangerous enough. And if Sitsipas is off his game, 
uh, Sasha Zverev can easily take care of business. You're full steam ahead on Rafa. There's no hedging here for you, right? On that, on that, would you like one? You won one forty, yeah, one forty before the tournament right. that he would win the French Open. You're not looking to get off it in the final. You're not looking. Uh, to hopefully have uh, Zerovev because he would be a bigger dog than uh, Tsitsipas. Would you ever bet against Floyd Mayweather when he used to play here in Las Vegas? Well, but that's different because there's judge subjective judging involved. This you is you very mean the city of Las Vegas' economics is, were predicated upon him winning? I'm you hinting, had to knock him out? I'm hinting on that. Yeah, yeah. I, no, that's why we should say it's one of the greatest bets yeah. of all time. Look, Rafa on this surface. And here's the other thing if you're Rafa. You know, he wins this one. He becomes the Grand Slam champion of all time with 21 majors. Puts him ahead of Roger Federer. I don't think Roger's going to be able to catch him. You look at the injury concern. Roger's chances are probably at Wimbledon at best. I don't think he's going to be able to do it in the hard courts of the U.S. Open. And if Rafa wins this one, I think that puts him three or four ahead of Novak. Gives him a huge edge up. And then he could probably get one more in his career, I think. France again next France year. France again next year. Where do you rank Rafa on the all-time men's greatest players? I think these three guys, in my opinion, are the three greatest of all time. I think Roger's probably the best. Rafa's the greatest clay quarter. We know that. Novak's the greatest returner of serve, better than Andre Agassi. Sampras is probably the greatest serve and volley or best Wimbledon player. Best but all around. player of all best, time, Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, but when you look at overall game, Roger Federer was unbelievable. I mean, if you look at he had a stretch where he made 36 consecutive semifinals. Think about that at Grand Slams over nine years. I mean, th- that's unbelievable how great this guy was. I thought the greatest feat in professional tennis was what Martina Navratilova was doing, both as a singles and doubles player, being number one in the world for so many years at the same time. And to your point, Martina, I just happened to count this yesterday. She won 31 Grand Slams doubles titles and 10, mi- and 10 mixed doubles titles. Think about that for a minute. That's unbelievable. 41 Grand Slam titles that are not including singles. On Tuesday, the pi- Pirates' Cabrian Hayes hit a home run which was negated by the fact he didn't touch first base. We're going to ask Josh Towers, what's wrong with base running in Major League Baseball when we come back? That's next on The Nuts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the largest offer of live in-play options, BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9 with it. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Where's the beef? I'm Mike Palm. This is the Nuts on my left. I'm all the hitman Shaw on my right, the big nasty Josh Towers. Josh, what is going on with base running in Major League Baseball? This is a joke. The Pirates, Cabrian Hayes hits a home run. He can't even touch first base. He's admiring himself so much. Somebody from the Dodgers dugout notices. It's not even close. They challenge. He's out. So Walker Buehler gets to cruise to a win. He doesn't even have to face any pressure in this Nothing. game. The Yankees, your former team, the Yankees, have made 28 outs on the bait pass already this year. It's a joke. Is nobody teaching base running at the little league level? No, that's the answer. I'm glad you. I'm glad you prefaced with that. Let's say the high school level, because the okay. answer is no. Because I sit out there every day, and I'm like, are we going to work on base running? Are we going to explain that every time you run to first base, whether it's a single, infield, outfield, possible double, you it you round it all differently every time. So every base we can spend hours on. They don't teach it, and that's my point, though, right? So now when you go to the big leagues, how much base running did you do today? Exactly. That's how much they did today, too. So I got my three or four groups of BP, right? I'm going to hit, get them over, whatever line. But in between that, I'm going to run. And then I just jog to first base, and then he takes a swing. I get a couple shuffles, and I jog to second. I'm supposed to be hit and run or whatever. We think we know it, so we just don't overly work it. And then all of a sudden, instinctively, i got to do something, and it's not there, and I have to consciously think about it where it should be second nature because the work should have been put in. Cabrian Hayes um, was just trying to be an umpire. How about this? You hit it pretty well. You didn't know for sure if it was gone or not, which means you should probably just run the bases and try to get a double and possible triple. But uh, did I get a homer? Should I run? I don't know. Let me umpire. I'm out. You know, you used to see guys before every pitch, they're looking at the outfield. Guys on first, guys on second. They know where every – the good base runners know where every outfield is. So when the ball's hit – they have a plan of where they're are they gonna be able to take are they gonna be able to are they gonna be able to first to third? Are they gonna be able to first to home on a ball in the gap? You don't see that anymore. Everybody no. just jogs and then looks at the third base coach. I think that and I can't speak for everybody because there no. are still some good ones. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we coddle them. I think I do so much for you, right? I, I, I pull these things out of my pocket. Where am I supposed to position? Mm-hmm. A mall's coming up. All right, I gotta go to position seventeen. I think you could actually uh, come in from the outfield. Right. And and then the pitcher takes the thing out of his pocket and he looks at somebody made it and is like, oh yeah. this guy's coming up, I should throw this. And so I'm being told what to do all the time that I don't instinctively ever have to learn. So when I get to first base, it's the same thing. My first base coach is just telling me what to do and I'm kind of I'm celebrating, I'm giving my little and then he's saying something, I'm not really paying attention, and then all of a sudden I got to lead off. And so, like, a, a lot of the, the learning aspect or putting myself in that moment is gone. It's kind of went away. So I think there's a little bit of that, too. But By the way, we don't have to worry about base running because the way guys are hitting today in Major League Baseball. Run. Well, no, the problem is nobody can hit anymore. Josh, I'm telling you right now, yesterday I've got under three and a half in the A's game. They scored three runs in the bottom of the uh, – Inning in the bottom of the second yeah. on a catch by Kettle, uh, Kettle Marte. It should have been an out, gotcha. but that's another story. <laughs> the rest of the lineup, I'm sitting there going, 
There's nobody on this Diamondbacks team that can hit. Oh the, as a team, oh they're 233 as an average. I mean, you look at these teams outside of Olsen for the um, for the A's, maybe Chapman, he's been inconsistent this year, but there's not enough consistency in terms of hitting the baseball. I Ch- mean, Chapman's yeah. been inconsistent since he turned down that contract. Yeah, it's just exactly so we're clear. Right. Um, and where are all these prospects in the Diamondbacks organization? Because it's not like they traded prospects to get anybody. They traded people to get prospects. Are they not developing? What am I missing with this organization? I don't know. Guys can't hit, though. I'll tell you one no. thing. Josh, how do you kind of quantify the fact that this team – has not won on the road since April. They continue to lose. Yeah, they've lost two out of, uh, I mean, they've won two games in the last 21 or 22 games. Uh, man, again, th- those are, I have a hard time with this. Because, again, I don't believe in rebuild. I don't think it's, rebuilding should be something that's a word that's, a phrase that's never used. How, how would I ever rebuild? I've been developing a minor league system for decades, yeah. right? I should always have a system in place and players to go. So rebuilding Completely should be thrown out. That, that, that's not a term I should be able to use. And then where is, I guess, uh, on the flip side, where's the development? But then, oh, we're not really developing, so i got to develop in the big leagues. Then you might want to put some coaches in the big leagues that know how to teach the game because, again, where's the base running being taught? It's not. I rush them to the big leagues. We don't teach it in high school, I promise you, because we ran into two innings worth of outs a game on the base pads. So if they're not getting taught in the minor leagues, once they leave me, then when are they getting taught base running? And so we're putting this version of baseball that's not that – educated in the big leagues, and then what are we doing as big league coaches? Because, oh, now they're in the big leagues, they know what they're doing? No. So there's a whole system that's flawed right now in baseball. You're listening to The Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. We're talking with former World Series champion with the New York Yankees, Major League pitcher, Josh, get off my lawn towers. Josh, you're managing a Major League Baseball team. Let's put you in a hypothetical scenario. You have a one-run lead going to the bottom of the ninth. Who are you turning the ball over to? You can pick any closer in Major League Baseball right now, today. Who are you giving the ball to? I have an answer. It might be different than you. Um, if we're, I mean, again, I'm basing off of this year. We based I'm basing off of right now, today. The game is today. Okay, I'll take Melanson. Okay, I'd take Kimbrell. I think Kimbrell's almost unhittable. He was my second, by the way. Yeah. He's unhittable right now. Unhittable And that's why I'm right saying, now. is it this year or is it <laughs> yeah, consistent? Right. Because if it's this year, he's high up there. Yeah. If it's like, because then he, you know, he mixes in a bad year yeah. every now and again. He's nasty. They're about the same with their numbers. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I like what he's doing right now. I think it's the flow, the new hair. Cubs bullpen has been great. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. They're leading the Central. I think their lineup is not that good, but their bullpen has been so good. What do you think it is with him? You think it's injuries and he just takes too long to recover? Because it's like every other year he's yeah. really good. I know Mark Grant doing the Padres broadcast yeah. was praying. You know, they were down They were down 3-1. He was praying that he, he had a wild streak. He had a wild streak no, a long time. Two you know, years. Yeah. He's back he, to being unhittable. He really has been dominant. He's been a difference maker. And I want to see if this Cubs team will actually acquire a bat. Uh, as we get towards the trade deadline to be able to make a push. You think it's you think it's they need to uh, acquire a bat, or do you think that they have their own little, like, this is us, we're the Cubs, we're Bryant, we're Baez, we're Rizzo, this is whatever my manager's name is, Ross, this is us, and you can't really infiltrate it, or, you know what I'm saying? I feel like they have their, like, they're still trying to be the Joe Madden Cubs, but they're not the Joe Madden Cubs, but I just don't think they know who they are now. I think they forgot. I, I think there's some um, truth to what you're saying. I also think Theo Epstein has read too much of his press clippings for the last several years. Because if you look at the decisions they've made in Boston, they would have been much quicker to get rid of Jason Hayward's contract in some way, shape, but or where form. where is they Theo? Because he's not there. No, I know. I'm saying, but some of the decision-making, remember, these are guys that, who's a Jed Hoyer that's running the program yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. These are all guys that are from the Epstein tree, and they kind of yeah. have the same decision-making. You see in the NBA when they come from certain programs, they have the same style. You know what I mean? To me, he kind of got out of there. I feel like they knew that the uh, the farm system, what they had coming up, wasn't as strong as people anticipated it being. Yeah, it's tough. I, I can imagine on Hayward, uh, one of the two answers would be he's really good defensively, which is my favorite because we've never, ever given a contract on defense, which is my favorite because he can't <laughs> hit. Uh, or he's a great clubhouse guy, right? No, you just can't dump the contract. Let's just be honest about this, and you're not willing to eat that much money. I, I've always said if you owe somebody that much money, say, listen, buddy, here's the deal. You're going to have to have to walk away from this contract. We're going to have to put a hit out on we, you. Yeah, there's just no choice. The Angels are paying Albert, and there's guys, the Mets are playing Bonilla, and there, there's people getting paid all over but, but, baseball. But don't you think when a team like the Cardinals, who have been consistently good for so long, yes. says, Albert, we're going to let you walk, then you're the Angels. You go, Here's the thing. Why Why are teams going to these long-term deals? If you don't get the guy, let him go. You know what? The Yankees, Red Sox, Mets, and Dodgers can only sign so many players. Isn't it? Okay, so it goes back to, like, I complain about the development of baseball and had the lack of it and yeah. how these guys in minor leagues really don't have a clue what they're doing. And then you go back a few years. How many teams could not win? Like, right now, half the league are out. You can't yeah, win. You exactly. can't even, you're, not, you're completely gone. But you go back to when we were given four-year deal maxes. Every team was competing. 
right? Now we're giving 10-year deals because I don't want to wait till you're 28 or 29 because that's too old. I don't want to give you a contract at 32. So I'll give you a 13-year deal at 22 and hope that you're good. So I'm going to give a couple bigs, a lot of nuns, and then you can't win. You guys can because we overly paid. But so what happened to the deals where like you had to earn stuff? That's my point. A four-year deal, I have to earn that contract because I want another one. You give me a 13-year deal, buddy, I'm good. But I would rather overload a guy's contract on a four-year deal than do what they did with Bryce Harper and Fernando Tatis and, and, and you know, Lindor those, and these guys. Those were non-existent. You were never giving that contract before. Yeah. How did the Rays do it with a quarter of the salary of the Yankees, a third of the salary of the Red Sox? Yeah. How are they the better team each Because, year? one, they're the best developed team in baseball. Their scouting why why department. would you just go out and hire their entire scouting department <laughs> fire your I've current I've been saying one. this since I was in Baltimore. Like, get to Toronto, I'm like, they have the best scouting department I've ever seen. Why don't you overly pay those scouts? Exactly. Double their salary and bring them over because whatever they're doing is amazing. The development aspect, the transparency aspect. Listen, you know you're not going to be here, but I'm going to put you in an opportunity to succeed, and I'm going to get you in a place to win, or I'm going to get you in a situation to earn a contract. You, everybody knows their role when they get there. And plus, my first six years, I have a lot to prove anyways because I want to become a free agent and get these huge deals. That Grinky goes tonight. The yeah, Astros are playing great. And he's a dog in Fenway. I'm surprised he's a dog. How does a guy like Grinky um, actually now at this point in his career, he's going deeper into games. He's averaging more innings per start than he has the last three years. Where is he finding this? Uh, up here. Yeah. It's genius. He's a genius, man. I love it. It's the game that like I talk about if we're teaching it, but if we're sitting here watching it, it's kind of hard to notice the genius that he is. Uh, I'm surprised. I mean, the Astros have been playing well. Boston's coming off that huge series versus the Yankees. Mm-hmm. We knew this was going to be a letdown. We had talked about it. Zach's been pitching phenomenal. And on the flip side, the dude for the Red Sox has been struggling bad lately, too. So he's I gave up Rodriguez, six, and four yeah. innings against Houston in Houston. Yeah. 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 And that's the only other thing is he's getting to face the team again right away, so there could be some... You know, you make some adjustments, but I, I still think you got a favorite Houston here. Do you think, as a pitcher and hitters facing off twice in seven days, who's the advantage for, or is it neutral? It flips. I mean, I'm like again with him getting rocked last time and facing him five days later. I bet that he pitches at Rodriguez. I bet yeah. he pitches pretty well today. Uh, you really don't dominate a team back to back starts within five or six days uh, or get dominated. So I bet he pitches a little better. I just think the Ashes are playing well, and when Zach Greinke's doing stuff like this, he's just. It, I mean, he's just. He's playing a video game. As betters, are we going to have the opportunity to fade Matt Harvey the whole rest of oh the season? I, I don't know how many starts he's got left. <laughs> Come on, Baltimore. Just keep him. You're going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> we love Matt Harvey Day out here in Vegas. Thank <laughs> you. I loved it. Dude, did he Walker have... be 120 against him yesterday? Are you kidding me? One one oh, my God. Yes. Right. You're okay. I'm saying talking to the microphone, genius. You that's the pot calling the kettle black. You're always away from the ask the sound people. You're you're the worst guy on the network. Thanks for joining us on the I'm next a day. Out loud. <laughs> Thanks, Josh Towers, for his time. Always great stuff about baseball. Please stay tuned to Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Up next, it's betting across America. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.